welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by ARC, beautiful and durable clothes for kids and mothers that are produced sustainably and ethically in the USA. Versatility and durability are key to founder Abigail Quist, who believes that all clothes should be play clothes and that buying less and buying better is a means to helping our kids foster a more thoughtful lifestyle. And the color palette will amaze. Mm. Learn more about ARC and support Upbringing by visiting today's show notes or our partners page at upbringing.co. Enter code UPBRINGING for 15% off your purchase. Now on to our empowerment. be better if the mic were by my mouth. That would help. Okay. Welcome to today's empowerment episode. We're Hannah and Kelty. I don't know. Do we Hello. ever introduce ourselves? I don't know. We do this every other week, so I don't I know. know how we forget every time we start. Like, what are we saying? What are we saying? <laughs> I don't know. These empowerment episodes are about our 12 empowerments. You can read them on the website. And they're basically big kind of mantras and reminders that help us stay in alignment with the way we want to parent. We took a kind of laundry list of all of the most challenging aspects of parenting to us, and we kind of flipped each thing over and worded the empowerment to help us embrace those difficult things and look at them, look them straight in the eye. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so this one's going to be a fun one. This is going to be our last one of the season, right, Han? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Today yeah. we're going to be talking about we take our role, not ourselves, seriously. Can I read it? Yeah, read it. Okay. Our sense of self can be intricately connected to our important job as parents. When we are able to separate this role from our self-worth and ego, we give ourselves permission to lighten up, laugh at ourselves, give grace, and ultimately grow as people and parents. It's a long sentence, but a lot of, a lot of good stuff in there. I... Should we do the feature first really sure. quick? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was rereading You Are a Badass and Making Money mm-hmm. uh, by Jen Sincero. And I, I loved You Are a Badass. And this one's pretty cool, too. She who, just makes me chuckle a lot. Who writes about money and, like, you chuckle? That doesn't really I happen. I know. She's she's pretty terrific. Um, but there is a really good part in there about beliefs. And because we're going to be talking a little bit about kind of the conscious versus unconscious. Identity. Mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. identity, identity, beliefs, stuff like that. I thought it would be fun to read. Okay. Okay. It's called The Little Prince. This is page 32 in case anyone wants to read it. A subconscious mind is like a seven-year-old prince who suddenly becomes king when his father dies. He's running the kingdom of your adult life based on information that he gathered and processed while doing some somersaults and pulling down his pants in the front yard, meaning he didn't really process any of it at all. Here are the three basic attributes of the subconscious. One, it's primal. The subconscious mind's number one concern is survival. As a little baby who can't take care um, of or fend for itself, losing love and being abandoned literally equals death. So anytime we come near to putting ourselves at risk, the little prince goes crazy and tries to stop us. 
This is one of the main reasons we stay stuck in lives we're not nuts about. We don't want to risk trying and failing, trying and succeeding, losing weight, getting rich, having a new opinion, a new love life, a new strut in our step for fear that people we love will reject us when we change. While this may work for a little kid who's doing the best he can to survive, it sucks for an adult. Number two, it's sneaky, the subconscious. Most people have no idea that they've got all these underlying beliefs holding them back. They're only aware somewhat of their conscious thoughts, so they work on those and leave the real culprit beneath undisturbed. This is how we get trapped in our patterns, dating the same weirdos over and over, repeatedly working for people who treat us like poo, spending all our money and the second we make it. The little prince and your unquestioned conscious beliefs are ruling the roost. Number three, it doesn't want to be dethroned. And your little prince was pitch... Um, will pitch a full-on temper tantrum if it looks like things are headed that way. Let's say you make the bold decision to quit your job as a kindergarten teacher and open the daycare business of your dreams. You put very clear and no-nonsense financial goals firmly in place, set about securing a loan to rent a space, come up with a name, like perhaps, who cares, daycare, and neatly get all your ducks in a row. Meanwhile, beneath the surface, if you believe that struggling is more noble than succeeding because that's what your parents taught you and that everyone who loves you as you used to be, will judge you and abandon you when you're rich. Your subconscious self might attempt to protect you by suddenly getting the flu, by picking fights with people who can help you, by inspiring you to procrastinate, make terrible investments, drink your face off at night before or morning of an important meeting, etc. When you change who you're being, you're basically killing off your old identity, which completely freaks your subconscious self out. Change hurls you into the unknown and puts you at risk for all sorts of loss and, of course, all sorts of unthinkable awesomeness, which is why it brings your biggest fears to the surface. Your little prince is desperately trying to keep you in a safe, known space, otherwise known as your comfort zone. But if the truth the truths you're running your life on no longer fit who you're becoming. It's like trying to squeeze into the snow pants you wore as a kid when you're 36 years old. Not so comfy after all. Yet we do it all the time because even though they cut off our circulation and hold us back from who we so desperately want to become, the puffy pants are familiar, cozy, and feel safer than trying on an outfit that you've never worn before. We are so attached to the unhelpful familiar, in fact, that we will spend our valuable, very finite time here on earth crafting excuses to keep ourselves right where we are, instead of leaping into the glorious unknown and growing into who we're really meant to be. Love your little prince for being a great pal by trying to protect you, but it's time to step into your power, put on your grown-up crown, and take your kingdom back. Hmm. Thanks, Cal. You're welcome. <clears throat> Inspiring little morsel Yeah. to start this conversation. You just flip to any page and read, and it's it's very helpful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the little prince is, like she said, it's our sub subconscious or unconscious mm-hmm. or Freud's id. It's taking care of our basic survival needs. And so then it acts and responds from a place of fear. And that's what you and I talk about all the time is like, we can't be doing that because even though it's our instinct, our instinct doesn't need to, it doesn't have a place here anymore. It doesn't serve us right now. It's really not. Yeah. Yeah. Or thinking about how Elizabeth Gilbert always talks about fear, having a place in her car, but just not driving and not riding in the passenger seat, but sitting in the back, Mm -hmm. you know, just making, making friends with it, bringing it along for the ride, but not letting it steer the ship. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Totally. So our talk today, Mm -hmm. we take our role, not ourselves seriously. Mm-hmm. That's a big topic. It's a really big one, and I hope <laughs> I hope I can keep this one a little trimmy trim, trimmy trim, trim trim. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. I think the the main thing from our pre talk that we that we kind of distilled this into mm-hmm. is worth versus work, mm-hmm. and how are those two connected, yeah. or do they need to be connected? Yeah. And yeah. and we talk about each of these empowerments in these moments of parenting struggles. 
And I think that it's become very helpful to me when I'm in a, in a disagreement with my kids or feeling conflicted or having a challenge or whatever it is to be like, am I in worth mode or am I in work mode? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the big aha that's really helped me mm-hmm. kind of be like, wow, am I taking myself too seriously or am I just taking my role seriously here? Right. Is this about me? Mm-hmm. Is this about them? What's, am I making this about me? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you think about it, parenting has been around the word for like 40 years. Only 40 and, years. Yeah. And I think identifying as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, the practice of parenting, that that's kind of new work, this whole parent identity. Mm-hmm. I'm a mom. That's a huge part of who I am. I don't think that historically people have really done that. They're just like, oh, I'm me. I'm a carpenter. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a duchess. A dentist. <laughs> I mean, even like in Iceland, it's like, you know, Bjork's daughter, like their last mm-hmm. names are connected to their their family or what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but now all of a sudden it's like these p- parenting is an identity to a, to a great extent, which, you know, it's got its pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a good thing to think of it as an identity because maybe we, it will spur us to want to do better. But I think that there also there's some risk associated with that. Yeah, labels can be kind of tricky. Yeah, totally. Um, What are a couple of reasons that a label, like pairing an identity to something that we do could could be risky. Well, if we stop doing that thing, then there can be dissonance there. Like I remember Glennon Doyle talking about how she for years was like, I'm a wife and I'm a mother. And those are, that is who I am. Those are my two big identities. And then she's like, well, I got a divorce. And so I'm no longer a wife. Who am I if I'm mm-hmm. no longer a wife? And what if I lost my child mm-hmm. and I'm not a mother anymore? Like, what would that mean about me? Mm-hmm. You know, being a role yeah. is, is inherently dangerous in role. that way, being the role. Yeah. And then also, I mean, even just subsuming, you know, saying I am what I do, there's what if that, that thing is at risk too? So I think it's not as just like going away or disappearing, but being like, oh my gosh, like I have to look like I'm doing a really good job all the time, or mm-hmm. I'm not going to take this risk or try this thing out or do anything because God, if that puts my role to the test, then that's putting me to the test and my mm-hmm. value and my worth. Or, you know? or it's just, it's a lot to here's, be at Here's stake. what being a mother looks like, or here's what being an architect looks like. You have this idea in your mind uh-huh. that, that might shape how you act instead of just how you want to act yeah or who you want to be well that's the problem it's like if everybody's a mom in the mom circle then Mm -hmm. it's very easy to make comparisons too you're like well which mom is who's the oldest mom who's the meanest mom who's the prettiest mom Mm -hmm. like in this idea of grouping everyone together which can be really good it can be inspiring It it can have you know community aspect it can also be um, create some competition and some comparison that's not super, super healthy, you know? Yeah. It, it kind of limits the, the diversity. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's like, this is what a mom is. This is what a mom does. Or um, this is what a mom in my area does, mm-hmm. or this is what a mom in pop culture does. Mm-hmm. So I guess I need to be doing that too, even if I don't yeah. want to, or I don't feel it, or it's not real. And I think hand that these titles and labels are so much about status or mm-hmm. can be so much about status. You know, just people reach for for them as validation, like a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm all of these things. I'm a doctor. Yeah. Look how blinged out my jacket is. I'm all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like when you think about it, it's actually a really 
interesting, maybe manipulative, calculated way to get people to compete and to mm-hmm. like reach for higher. If institutions are giving us these labels, like you are now a doctor, you are now a, you know, first representative buyer. Like mm-hmm. you get these status things so you can as incentives to be like, this is what I have. And now I'm going to go higher. And everyone beneath you being like, they have that. I'm going to go higher mm-hmm. too. I don't know. I'm, I'm just like naturally distrustful of labels and mm-hmm. status symbols. Yeah. In those, in that way. I remember in college, I naively asked somebody, which is total normal question, but I was like, what do you do? And they were like, I do lots of things. And I was like, oh fuck. Like it was such a light bulb <laughs> moment for me. And I've never asked a person that again. I'm always like, what are you into? Or what's new for you lately? Mm-hmm. When, if I'm asking a stranger to just tell them about, tell me about themselves. Yeah. What do you, what you do isn't who you are or all you are. Yeah. And, but that's what our society cares about. Oh, what do you, how do you make your money and yeah. have to show your worth? Yeah. You know, give me a label so I can get some bearings on this instead of being like, who are you? What are you into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think that even our family names we're starting to think about more. You know, our kids call us Hannah and Kelty and Justin and Alex a lot, which they just kind of naturally did. Because they hear us talking, you know, calling each other that. Yeah, and sometimes mama or papa here and there, but they kind of, you know, interchange all of them. But I'm actually really like that because I'm like, I am Han. Mm -hmm. I'm not mom. Like, I am a mom. I'm mom. I parent. Mm -hmm. But I'm Hannah. You know? It's so funny when I like see one of the girls turn to each other and be like, Hannah and Kelty said yes. Or Hannah and Kelty said we can't do that till whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, our daughters are calling us Hannah and Kelty. But it really is, it feels more particular and loving to me than mama for some reason. Yeah. Like mama, there are other mamas, mm-hmm. you know, like there's just one Hannah to me. Especially when they're like mad and yell like, Hannah! Yeah. Like yell at you. It's, it's harder to hear mama screamed at you meanly. Mm-hmm. And it makes more sense having it be your real name. Well, but it ends up connecting to me as a person instead yeah. of like to my role. It's really yeah. interesting. I, I remember a... Um, uh, armchair expert podcast episode where Dax Shepard was talking about why are you bl- slow blinking? You don't like this story. It's okay. Okay. I don't think it really helps our point that much. Okay. Well, I just okay. remember him talking about how he didn't really ever think of his dad as just a person. He just re- grew up thinking like, he, but he's my dad. And I think that's also because his dad kind of failed him in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. until he, Dax became a parent himself, he was like, God, I hope my kids just see me as a human being, just as like me, Dax, and not mm-hmm. this huge pressure pile of dad. Mm-hmm. You this know? is what dads should or shouldn't yeah. do. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if, um, yeah, the name could maybe help them key into our identity a yeah. little bit better rather than our role. Yeah. Which is because cool. People that look could be like as a kid will look at you and be like, dads don't whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. we have our own issues. I'm, I'm always like, mom is mom. She should. And mm-hmm. I get caught into those too. Mm-hmm. She's our mom. And, and you're like, she's just Janie Pat. Remember, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, totally. We, we totally have those things. I, I even start getting upset like with stupid Berenstain bears or things oh, like yeah. that where they call or you hear people sometimes being like brother this sister this yeah. and you're like just say their fucking name mm-hmm. otherwise they think they are this role I always wonder maybe the parents don't know their kids names or they like <laughs> forgot or mix them up so they just be like brother I sister. think it's an old-fashioned thing yeah that like in, in our culture we used to say brother sister daughter yeah. son it's time to whatever yeah. and it's like or just say their name yeah because otherwise you're grouping them into what sons are supposed to do or maybe they feel that pressure mm-hmm. you know I feel like it's a, it's a lot of expectations. And I think I just want to bust all that shit up. Yeah. You know, you and I grew up as twins all the time. People Maybe are that, like, hey, we have twins. some baggage. <laughs> we have a little bit. 
Yeah, the twins are coming too. The twins, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And in that weird way of expected to be the same and constantly compared, mm-hmm. you know, where that was a huge part of our identity and part of our identity that I love, Kel, mm-hmm. but also it, again, can be really limiting. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. think we need to kind of cycle back into okay. the empowerment looking like worth versus work. Right. So when we're taking our role, our, our role seriously, mm-hmm. it's about the work. We're mm-hmm. in work mode. When we're taking ourselves seriously, we're it's about the worth and mm-hmm. we're in worth mode. Right. Exactly. Right? And the idea here is that we need to separate what what our goal with this is, is to try to separate our important role as a parent from our self-worth and ego. Yeah. Which is, that's a really big fucking ask. But, you know, are we parents or are we people who are parenting? Yeah. How often are you able to do it? I don't know. I, I don't know how conscious when do you struggle I am about, about those But things, that's really what but, it is, is consciousness versus unconsciousness well, I think, to me. I think it's really tough because taking ourselves seriously is helpful because we care more. We invest more. We feel like a community. We mm-hmm. learn that's motivation. I'm a mom, so I better do this mom shit well. Mm-hmm. But you it's know? a lot of pressure. And and then, it, you know, but then it feels really good. Like when people are like, wow, you're such a good mom. Your kids mm-hmm. are so great. Or the, mom, the kids are like, mama, I love you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh my God, like this role is making me feel valuable and worthy. Yeah, I'm going to connect those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'm taking that credit. Yeah. You know, but- there, as you said, there yeah, are limitations. There are, co- there are limitations yeah. to to taking that so personally. Mom guilt, right? Mom oh, fail. I hate it when people say yeah. mom fail. I'm yeah. just like, just strike that from from people's vocabularies. Yeah. It's so terrible to me. But I think when that, that's the risk is that when things aren't going well, or we mess up, or our kids are screwing around, it's mm-hmm. on us, on our identity. Mm-hmm. You know, we get that credit too. Yeah, you the, know, we the t- bad credit. Yeah. yeah, and and you know. We can take it a lot more personally. We compare ourselves to others. And that can really affect our sense of self-worth when mm-hmm. things don't go according to our expectations or the rules that define the role yeah. as when mother. Things are, when things are going well, you're like, yes, I am mom. And <clears throat> it makes me feel good in all these ways. And it's all me all the time. And then when it's when things are hard, it's mm-hmm. that feels crappy, right? Yeah, totally. So I think that's why we sort of created this empowerment to just be like, can we just in those, especially in those tricky moments, can we just separate our sense of self Mm -hmm. and self-worth from the work at hand, the task at hand? And we do that already with our kids. We try to praise, for example, their effort over their accomplishment. You know, if we Mm -hmm. praise their accomplishment, then that sets this expectation for them to connect praise or their worth, you know, and lovability to their performance or some end result. And Mm -hmm. that's a lot of pressure. And a lot of kids buckle to that pressure. They'll make excuses. They'll avoid opportunities. They'd lie or cheat, refuse to do things that are hard, all for fear of failing, as in feeling like a failure. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to not parent that way. But somehow I think sometimes it... How else, it, wait, we how else are we way? trying to not parent that way? We're also trying to, when our kid does something that we would rather they not do, mm-hmm. we're, we try to not punish, you know, because that can tell connect, our kids, yeah, yeah, connect it. Connecting their behavior to their lovability or our esteem of them. Right. And we're saying, no, no, we're going to separate these Just things. Totally separate their behavior from their I'm unconditionally worth. loving, always. And because that's the only way you're going to learn if we stay connected through this and mm-hmm. if you stay calm and that if your sense of self isn't at risk, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, we're doing that with our kids as far it's as really praise and effort, <laughs> at praising effort over accomplishment. And in terms and of punishing, in skipping punishing. Skipping punishment and consequences yeah. and shaming and guilting and things like that. So what else do we do, right? That's like a lot of stuff we're not doing, but that's another conversation. 
But okay, so what does taking ourselves seriously look like? The times we do, which God, we all take ourselves very seriously because of this intricate connection between our role and our identity. Mm -hmm. What would be an example of Kelty taking yourself a little seriously instead of taking your role? Well, this happens every now and then when I put a little more effort than normal into cooking. I get really excited about like some new recipe um, or spend more than, you're like laughing. I spend more than five <laughs> minutes on cooking dinner, basically. That's like happened once. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. more than five minutes. More than five okay, minutes. That happens believable. every now and then. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll, you know, put the plates down and, you know, have the kids help serve sometimes. And they'll be like, what is this? This looks disgusting disgusting and won't even take a bite or um or my son will just pick up the food and throw it he just doesn't want it on his plate Uh so he'll set it on the floor or on the (laughs) table next to next to the dish or he'll just call the dog Um, okay what goes through your mind what what taking yourself seriously what does that sound like yeah what's your inner mantra if i'm taking myself seriously instead of taking my role seriously the inner mantra is this is so hurtful. How mm-hmm. could they say that? Mm-hmm. I have worked so hard on this. They are so ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Like, don't they know how much I love them? Mm-hmm. You know, totally. like, how could they disrespect me by not eating the food that I made that I worked so hard on and mm-hmm. know what they need? Oh, Cal. Yeah, it yeah, sucks. Totally. Um, I'm thinking of uh, an example where I took something too seriously, which I mean, I think anybody hearing this, like your kids saying, I hate you. Yeah. You would be like, how could you not take that seriously? That is so disrespectful. Yeah. That is so rude. That is so beyond what we say and how we treat each other in this family. I would never say that to you. I, I don't even know how you know that word. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Oops, mm-hmm. I just said that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you know, we, we go through these all the times all the time where we're just like, how is this happening to me right now? Mm-hmm. We take it so personally. We're offended. We're resentful. We're, we're feeling helpless. We're feeling angry. Yeah. You know, and we find ourselves sometimes snapping back at our kids like we're the five-year-olds. I know. We get sucked into the matrix down the rabbit hole. Yeah, like we always talk totally. About. Yeah. Um, but I think that what taking ourselves seriously truly is, at least you and I have begun to realize for ourselves, is that that's when we're focusing on our needs or our outside expectations above our kids' unique needs. Mm-hmm. It's when we somehow, like you said, we get sucked into the matrix of what about me? Mm-hmm. Where what we, if, we go into know? victim mentality yes. kind of, yeah. And the, the, it's basically like our child is triggering our inner child. Their needs are triggering our needs. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like when I find myself saying, wait a second, little person, I'm tired right now. What about me? I'm sad right now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But this is so unfair. But oftentimes I've noticed that what results when I'm taking myself really seriously or too seriously is that I tend to do things I'm not proud of. Mm -hmm. I tend to act like a child um, would with with very little, um, you know, self-monitoring and Uh self-control where I will control or want to punish or or want to yell or get snippy. Mm -hmm. And none of that feels good. Taking myself seriously seems like a very important thing in the moment. It feels like my right as a human to take Mm -hmm. myself seriously. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, when you and I were talking about this and thinking about it, it's like I shrink down into like the size of my kid. And it's literally Mm -hmm. like two kids standing face to face. (laughs) It's freaky. I don't know. Has anyone else felt like this? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. So what if we took those two situations and decided to take our role seriously instead of ourselves? Well, I think before we go into that, I wanted to just say that you know, we, we mentioned ego. I think ego is a 
person's self-esteem or self-importance, the, mm-hmm. the role that they have, they've given themselves, their, their feeling of self to protect themselves in some ways. Mm-hmm. I looked online for a bunch of definitions and I got really confused and I quit. <laughs> um, but, you know, because there's like the Freudian definition, which is consciousness. And, you know, there is, um, I was on, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, that has like a ton of definitions. And let's see, ego's responsible for hate, fear, and delusion. There's a lot of negative Wikipedia? connotations. No, um, that gives like cultural, what people think of it in the culture. I'm totally blanking on Urban this. dictionary? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, an inflated sense of self gained exclusively from Facebook popularity, friend count, and number of likes received per status update. So everyone's kind of interpretation of ego is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Someone else put usually bigger than dick size. <laughs> um, but I think that basically what it generally is, is our conscious understanding of our identity. And it's you know, I always think of what Shefali, Shefali Tsabari does an amazing job talking about what the ego is. It's basically something that we created in childhood to uh, help like the glittering pro- image, help protect ourselves from the world. You mm-hmm. know, the ego, you know, in Freudian psychology or psychoanalysis or whatever, the, the ego basically is the mediator between the id and the superego. So the, the id being I, like the mm-hmm. deep kid person underneath with those needs. Mm-hmm. It's the mediator between that and what the, the best person you should possibly be or outer expectations is. And so it's this, this construct that we've made mm-hmm. in childhood to basically survive the people and the expectations and the parents and all of those things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the ego as like a defense mechanism Mm-hmm. A way of moving through the world to try and, you know, keep ourselves safe. Yeah. Um, this I think empowerment Shifali is called, a lot about ego. Shivali calls yeah. it a false persona. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen Sincero calls it the big snooze, which is basically BS, short mm-hmm. for BS, which I really <laughs> like. Um, but, but just like anything, what used to protect us can now really limit us. Yeah. That's what we've been talking about. Kind of like the little prince, too. Yeah, the like unconsciousness. The yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Anyway, you and I think that in some ways, this identity, bringing our identity into parenting, bringing our ego into parenting moments, especially the challenging ones with our kids, is an obstacle to our caregiving. Mm-hmm. It's an obstacle to our connection with them. But it's really, really tough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what to do? I really like how the we worded this empowerment in saying that it gives us permission to laugh. When we can separate mm-hmm. our ourselves from our work, we get permission. Mm-hmm. It grants us this permission to have grace, to grow, you know, and just releasing us from that burden mm-hmm. can can help us parent better. Instead of pressure right. of, we get of saying I'm a my a mom is who I am. Mm-hmm. That's pressure. Permission is saying a mom is what I do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When there's no pressure and when we have permission, we actually get to grow. Growth happens. You know, research shows everyone's heard those those um, research studies on rats where it's like they figured out the exact amount of pressure. If if they don't have too much (laughs) pressure or if they don't have enough pressure, then they don't perform. If they have too much pressure, they buckle under the pressure. Mm -hmm. So how can we be parenting this idea? I love thinking myself like a test rat, Uh (laughs) just swimming around in a tank, Uh freaking out, trying to climb onto a whatever. Uh But, but that idea of, of how can we grow and learn by Mm -hmm. not over identifying as mom, but not under identifying as mom too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. If the stakes are too high, if my identity is at risk, then I'm not going to do better. 
you know, but if they're too low, I'm not going to do well either. So what's that happy meeting medium for each person is kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, something, a role and an identity that doesn't cripple me, basically, that doesn't get in the way of my caregiving. Mm -hmm. Right. I like thinking of it that way. just as caregiver though. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's not glamorous. I think that people be like, I'm not calling myself a caregiver. I remember talking with my in-laws once we were having a big sit down discussion, one of those. Mm -hmm. And I said, (laughs) caregivers in her life, my daughter's Mm -hmm. life. And my mother-in-law got really offended. She said, I'm not a caregiver. I'm her grandmother. Mm-hmm. And that was a very interesting moment where grandmother was kind of part of her identity, mm-hmm. you know, in a big way. But I was like, but caregiver is what we truly are and do. I know. And that's what I'm this talking is, about I re- here. I, okay. <laughs> I guess we've got some ego involved. Yeah. You know? I, I remember even in our mindfulness uh, training class, when we were going around introducing ourselves, yeah. I said, one of the reasons I was there was because I'm as, as a person, I'm a caregiver with, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of stress around it. I think it was when grandpa was sick. It was mm-hmm. when your dog was sick before both of them died. Thinking about, you know, being a mom and just f- friendships we, we work so hard Some at. Parent, like, I think of myself yeah. as, as a caregiver is a big part of who, who I am. But how much does our society prize caregivers? But, but this was weird. The woman I spoke to after we like They're partnered up help. and she was like, okay, so you work as a caregiver. And I was like, no, I'm a mom yeah. and I care a lot about the people in my life. She's mm-hmm. like, Oh, like she, she didn't see it that way either. Yeah. Maybe this is weird. And we're the only people that think of ourselves as caregivers. I'm not sure. But I think that when you think about what you do, instead of it being who you are, it really simplifies things. Yeah. And then again, your ego's not involved saying I'm doing this because I want to feel valued. I want to feel worthy. I want, there's no um, complications or conflict of interest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or the, it has to just be big enough. Like I, I think of myself logistically as a caregiver, a giver of care, but I also think of that as just as my identity of who Mm -hmm. I am in a way, but it's a big enough umbrella that I don't, it's not constantly at risk. No. This one child is going to take it down or put it to the test or whatever. Okay. So let's get back to those examples. Okay. So Kelty, what would taking your role seriously look like at the kitchen table? Mm-hmm. When my son puts his food down on the table and it's like mushing it into the to the wood, mm-hmm. I would be thinking to myself that my role is to provide food, mm-hmm. to nourish my child to the best of my abilities, mm-hmm. and to, when I can, stay emotionally detached yeah. not take know, a, in the process. It's not yeah. about you. It's not about me. It's about... The food and they're them. not trying to hurt my feelings on purpose. And sometimes maybe they are trying to hurt my feelings on purpose. And I'm going to try to do those <laughs> same thing. Well, yeah. Speaking of, you know, my kid yelling, I hate you. Yeah. Instead of taking it really personally and my ego and sense of self and value being triggered, my my being a mom to this person that supposedly hates me, mm-hmm. um, I would say something like, wow, you must be really upset right now. You know, I would see not somebody who was threatening my personhood and my, my worth, but see a, a small person, a child who is so mad that she's lashing out at the closest, safest person to her mm-hmm. and that she needs my help to calm down. Again, that's my role is to help her understand why she's upset and to calm down. Mm-hmm. If, if I'd been taking myself seriously and thinking about me, how much of my role would I be able to do? How much yeah. would I be there for her? who has so much growing and understanding of the world to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, that's why I think of it so much as the conscious versus unconscious. Yeah. And yeah. And I don't think it should be like selfish versus giving. I don't think we can say, paint these in black and white terms mm-hmm. to like, when I'm thinking about me and reacting, I'm being selfish. When I'm taking care of them, I'm being, 
you know, selfless, selfless. I don't think it's that black and white. No, I think, I I think it's a very complicated situation and that's why we're talking about it. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. But I think when we start taking ourselves too seriously and asking ourselves these things, that's the kind of ding ding we need to get back to our role. Mm -hmm. You know, like we always talk about one crazy person at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, one child at a time. We can't be helping this child in front of us if we're in you know worth 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 mode right if we're trying if we're feeling like a child at the same time yeah yeah totally um you know we mentioned earlier am i making this about me Mm -hmm. could i laugh about this right now would a normal caregiver get mad at this Mm -hmm. is this personal or parental yeah you know those are good questions to be asking ourselves as we move through these things i always think about like we've talked about compared parenting to um like a hostage negotiator role <laughs> or being an EMT yeah. where you're like, would a hostage negotiator ever, you know, let's say they're talking with the person with the gun and the person says like, I'm going to blow this person's head off or get away from me or I'm this. You would never be like, how dare you talk to me like that? <laughs> right. Or an EMT like dealing with a wily subject who's like crazy and crying and stuff. Yeah. being Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. I did not sign well, on to watch this. yourself. Oh, wait, I did yeah. because it's my oh, wait, job. This is my job to be cool, but, calm and collected. But I think that that's, we get in our, in our culture and in this identity culture Mm-hmm. I'm a mom, so I this is what I believe a mom should be. Mm-hmm. And then when we actually when our our role is put to the test, we are like, wait a second, this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And we're forgetting, wait, this is our role. What's our role here? Yeah, but that that comes with the whole expectation, the, yeah, that the flawed expectation that everything should be nice all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a base the base misunderstanding of parenting is that everybody should be calm and happy at mm-hmm. all times. And when they're not, something is wrong. Well, and, and as in, this is my reality and my child is part of me mm-hmm. and my child is in this reality with me. Instead of saying, I think what we're trying to do with focusing on our role instead of on our, our ourselves is saying, my child is very separate from me mm-hmm. and their behavior doesn't define my worth as a person. You know, we cannot let our kids be responsible for filling or emptying our plate for giving us, our, us worth or taking it away. That is way too much power for a child Pressure. or any yeah. person for that matter. And that really um, mess, can mess up our relationship with yeah. them. But That's like you talked about the personal realities thing, like <clears throat> we talked so much about that in the magic of Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. just realizing, oh, I have a personal reality, my opinion, my beliefs, all of this, this is my lens and my bubble. Guess what? My child has one as well. Mm-hmm. Sort of like we talked about with Lindsay Meyer Harley. Like it's their day too. Mm-hmm. Like we can't we can't look through this lens of my kids just fucking up my day all the time. Like there needs to be a mutual reality built. Mm-hmm. You know, we also talked about the improv um, mm-hmm. kind of metaphor of interacting with our kid. This is both of us in here. playing in the gray. In playing mm-hmm. in the gray. This is both of us here doing this. Right. And that's what our role helps us understand is where am I? Where are they? What's mm-hmm. the point of all of this? The, the focusing on our role gets us that meta, larger understanding, bird's eye view of what's going on compared to when we're focusing on ourselves, which is just saying, what do I need? Who am I? What it's do I need? It's very microscopic. It yeah. is. It's very a lot smaller of a focus there. Um, what? So what are some ideas of things that we can do to help just what have we been doing to help us stay in role mode and mm-hmm. less in self mode as we're parenting through challenges with our kids? Well, one thing we've done is just getting educated on their development, basically. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. have, having appropriate expectations and understandings helps a lot. Help to helps not take things personally. To not take things personally mm-hmm. and to just be like, okay, they're 
they're supposed to be doing this. And I think we'll talk about this in the We Meet Them, them Where They Are mm-hmm. um, empowerment episode next season. But just understanding where they should be and generally not being blindsided by behaviors that our kids are exhibiting and thinking that they're wrong or thinking that they're bad mm-hmm. helps us stay in that kind of big picture role mode as opposed to the more microscopic Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about me mode. Yeah, they shouldn't be <clears throat> behaving for me like my puppet or my mm-hmm. savior. They are kids experiencing kid things. And that's something I would know and understand if I'm as I'm focusing on my role as a parent to yeah. them. Um, I also think, you know, those moments when I'm feeling really small and like a child that's not getting what she needs, that's a ding ding to me that I need to get help for that child mm-hmm. outside of the parenting space. That my kid is not the person to help me do that. And that I need to talk to my partner, talk to my sister, journal a little bit, mm-hmm. go to a therapist, read some books, you know, relax mm-hmm. a little. Yeah. You know, I remember watching, uh, this is one thing that, that helps me a little bit. And I don't really have a name, but I have like a mental image of my sort of my ego or my subconscious. Um, it's, it's nice to put a name to it. And I saw this video of Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, she has this alter ego that she calls Gail when she gets really super drunk. Um, she's like, oh, it was just Gail. Gail came out. Gail's <laughs> the one that was diving in shark infested waters and, you know, over socializing with people at a bar or doing whatever. And, and we talked about that in one of our early episodes too, just ha- having a name for that kind of like monster version of ourselves that we can just be like, oh, just Gail went a little crazy earlier. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And being able to separate that from us a little right. bit. Right. And and give it some love and grace and understanding and maybe parent that little kid a little yeah. bit. I mean, I think there's a reason why therapists are always like, picture yourself as a little kid. What would you tell that little kid? Mm-hmm. We're all reparenting ourselves. Yeah. And our little kids are screaming for, for these things. And I think it makes a lot of sense that our our inner child and and our ego would be at risk and come out when we're looking at another little child and yeah. be like why do they get to be heard uh-huh. why do they get to be yelled at why or do they yelling? get to like, be catered to right yeah when i need these things yeah. that's a great sign that like okay oh that was gail again gail was a little needy mm-hmm. she was having she, she was struggling we're gonna get her some help yeah <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wind down this evening or whatever you oh. know um what else in the moment mm. things we can do pause take a break. Mm-hmm. You know, if we are going to yell or do something crazy, walk out of the room and go calm down. Take some yeah. deep breaths. Um, Kelty, you always talk about parenting like everybody's watching mm-hmm. or um, or even like parenting like you're on a TV show. Like totally. if people were watching this, would they think it's funny or would they be so disturbed? Uh-huh. <laughs> Ch- check yourself, girl. Yeah. You know? Um, I think using the four powers is a a huge thing. When Mm -hmm. we start feeling like we want to grab on and grip and control, that's when we need to be exercising respect, connection, innovation, and trust with our kids and with ourselves. Yeah. Um, You know, this is a big ask though. And all of our empowerments are always a big ask. That's why there are empowerments because they are the practice of parenting for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're human. We will never, as you said earlier in the show, Kel, we're never going to get rid of ourselves. We're never going to be completely separate. That's not how it works. Yeah. We, we love our kids. And part of the beauty and the joy, as we said, was being in that role and understanding that role and growing through that role as mother or father or, or, parent, or yeah. caregiver, you know. I think there is always going to be interplay between who we are and what we do, no matter what. 
But I think what we're saying is, can we just be more aware of when we're in worth mode and when we're in work mode? Yeah. And it's just you a know? muscle yeah. that, that we need to keep building that awareness. <clears throat> it's it's a relationship with ourselves that helps us separate our role from ourselves in a really healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So anyway... I think that that we should give a little final permission about it. Okay, that we was, used to do gives that. Gives our permission to uh-huh. grow, to have grace, to laugh, to lighten up, all that stuff. I love that. We we give you permission to love your kids with every fiber of your being, to care a lot, mm-hmm. but also to love yourself with every fiber of your being and give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. You're doing your best. You're allowed to mess up, to ask why, to get help, to change things, to lighten up, and to name and befriend your younger self, your Gail, mm-hmm. whoever she is. Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. us who, tell us who, who they are. We want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, let's end on a little quote from Shefali Sabari. Okay. I think it was from her book, Out of Control, which I highly recommend. Love that book. Here it is. My child isn't my easel to paint on, nor my diamond to polish. My child isn't my trophy to share with the world, nor my badge of honor. My child isn't an idea an expectation or a fantasy, nor my reflection or legacy. My child isn't my puppet or a project, nor my striving or desire. My child is here to fumble, stumble, try and cry, learn and mess up, fail and try again, listen to the beat of a drum faint to our adult ears, and dance to a song that revels in freedom. My task is to step aside, stay in infinite possibility, heal my own wounds, fill my own bucket and let my child fly. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our twin talk. So get in touch, whether DM, phone, email, or through our website, upbringing.co. And we're always here to talk about why the hard stuff is the good stuff. So send us a DM. Lastly, you're doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. We're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time. And now for the lullaby bye portion of our show, created in the hopes of inspiring us all to personalize our song singing experience with our kids. Mm-hmm. To have a little fun yeah. when we're singing those lullabies or when we're just feeling something inside and we... We want to sing it out loud. There's no shame in that. Absolutely Until they not. say, stop singing, mom, which they do sometimes. Yeah, there's still no shame in that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're still taste making. They're learning what good taste is. And that's what we're doing by exposure to them. Exposure. Yep, exactly. Um, would we call this song good taste? Mm, I don't know. I think would so. Would we call it chubby? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I. It's called I Melt With You. And... I love this song. I, for many years, thought it was the cure. I don't even know who sings this song. This is by British new wave band Modern English. This was like a one-hit wonder type situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love this song. Like, just that 80s guitar. It was Mm -hmm. um, done in 1982, the year we were born. Mm -hmm. And um, the artist, Robbie Gray, said that it was about not just a love song, but more about the good and bad in people. And I just, I thought it was a fun song to sing um, what for this kids, episode. What did your kids think? Um, you know, mixed reviews, mm-hmm. mixed reviews. Um, I think they tend to be like, beyond just how much I like the song, that can help them like it. But I think it's also like words that they will grab onto to be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm interested in this That's why they like more. broken glass so much. Exactly. <laughs> 
So this one, you know, the world, like Laszlo liked it more because it was like the world crashing, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just a little more dramatic. He, he tends to like those dramatic that, things yeah. a little bit. But um, I remember falling in love with it again when I heard Nouvelle Vogue sing it, which mm. is that's one of my favorite covers of it. Um, I forgot about which that. We should put in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Um, and the music video is pretty awesome, mm-hmm. as is most early 80s music videos. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just love that it's the future's open wide. You yeah, know, it's got some good. Let's stop there. the world mm-hmm. and melt with you. Let's. Yeah. It's got you know, some some words, some phrasing that really makes sense, and then some that really doesn't make sense. Yeah, but just I think the feel of it is what I like the most, and that we're trying as parents, we're trying so hard, and that it is really difficult sometimes. But that if we can just be melting with our kids as our role, mm-hmm. doing that as parents, yeah. melting with you, it's a verb instead of like being this or being that. We're just melting together, melting and meshing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mesh and lace. Mesh and lacing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're meshing and interlacing. Yes. Okay. Oh, perfect. But I also like the stop the world part. It just makes yeah. sense. It's like, just press pause. Just don't be distracted. And to stop the world. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, go. Here, you go. Here goes. Moving forward, using all my breath. Giving love to you was never second best. I saw the world crashing all around your face. Never really knowing it was always mesh and lace. I'll stop the world and meld with you. You've seen the difference and it's getting better all the time. There's nothing you and I won't do. I'll stop the world and meld with you. Dream of better lives, the kind which never hates. Trapped in a state of imaginary grace. I made a pilgrimage to save this human race. Never comprehending the race had long gone by. I'll stop the world and meld with you. You've seen the difference and it's getting better all the time. There's nothing you and I won't do. I'll stop the world and meld with you. Mm.